0: What is up guys? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the D&D Sports Show and we have a lot to cover this week so we're gonna get right on into it. Let's start with some college football. What games did you watch this weekend?
1: Uh, Yeah so this weekend is kind of a interesting weekend in terms of of games. There was a lot of a lot of uh, top 25 um, I guess you say upsets but in an early season you know they're really not always upsets. Um, A lot of teams that you know, I think we're uh, overrated. Kind of lost. Um, I did get to catch uh, catch the South Carolina Auburn game. Um, Auburn is about two fluky plays away from being zero and four right now. Um, in my t- in my opinion, that's one of the o- uh, overrated teams this year. Um, the week that I don't talk about the North Carolina this North Carolina team they they finally get their first loss uh, to Florida State in kind of an upset. And Notre Dame squeaks by again. Um, I'm telling you, Notre Dame is always a sketchy team, and now they're in the ACC, so it's setting up a really intriguing matchup against Clemson. Uh, they can't make it in the ind- on the uh, the independent card this year.
0: Yeah, we're gonna. See- I'm interested to see how this whole season plays out because um, it looks like they play Clemson in three weeks. So if they manage to go six and zero going into Clemson. I think that'll be a very intriguing matchup. But however, I want to touch on the biggest upset of the of the weekend. That Kentucky team taking it to that Tennessee Volunteers team that is ranked 18th. What do you think about that game?
1: Yeah, and I think I mean, it's no it's no walk in the park what they what they did week one and week two, but if you look at they beat South, the South Carolina team who's you know, uh, obviously, maybe not be the uh, the the best te- the best team, but I mean they've held their own. I mean they put up twenty four against Florida. I mean this South Carolina team is no joke. Um, they're definitely a tough team. You know, beating them only by four, and then you have um, you have them beating um, Mizzou, who obviously Mizzou's been fluky this season. And then, you know, so they really have yet to have that that game that really set them over the top that, you know, proved them to be ranked. And all these SEC teams are ranked because of the other divisions not playing. Um, he, you know, it's, it's weird, to, you know, to say that, but, I mean, it's true because some of these teams, I mean, like I said, they, they haven't really beat a team that's worth them being ranked um, sitting there at even at two and one um so it'll be interesting i mean they had a tough game against bama this week uh it's not going to be a pretty one we'll review that more on friday but i i definitely will be the first one to announce that i was wrong about tennessee being back in any sort of way because if the tennessee team that showed up these past two weeks shows up against bama it might be like the clemson game 73 to 7
0: yeah, and touching on what you said about a lot of these teams being ranked who usually aren't ranked, <clears throat> I mean, it's just for the lack of teams that are playing currently. And we'll see next weekend when the Big Ten actually starts their play, we see them kind of move into the ranks and we'll see teams kind of phase out that probably sh- usually aren't there. So I think it, next weekend is the big tell. Uh, next weekend is the big weekend that we decide. Who actually deserves their ranking and earns their schedule so far but i do want to touch on this smu team i know they haven't played they've been playing very well their opponents have been you know i don't want to say lackluster but they're kind of mediocre middle of the pack so how far do you think this smu team goes before they get a loss
1: well, you know that's one of the things that I was gonna I was kind of gonna bring up on Friday, but we can go ahead and just touch on it a little bit um, now. Is th- there's a there's a very it's a very intriguing thing with this season with the lack of teams playing and the fact that there's certain teams that are playing a full schedule and you have the teams of like the Pac-12 who are going to be playing seven games and. You just don't know how that's going to factor into the college football committee. But I think that this weekend is kind of the tell, the, the tell, the telling game of how the rest of the uh, season for SMU is going to go. Because I think if they can go, uh, you know, they're at home this weekend against uh, the uh, number nine uh, Cincinnati team. I think if they can come out or if they can go home with, with a win and it's, it's convincing at all. I think that there's no reason why they shouldn't roll through the rest of the, the season. Um, looking at the schedule, uh, Navy at home, Temple away That Tulsa game is kind of intriguing because Tulsa has been playing their opponents pretty tough. Um, Houston and East Carolina. I mean, there's no reason why they couldn't run the table. Um, and you know, hopefully if they win this game convincingly enough, uh, it'll give them enough to, uh, uh, kind of vault them, vault them forward. I mean, the only thing is, is like right now their only win that's gonna really be on their resume is uh, is beating Memphis by three. Um, so it'll be intriguing how to see how Memphis finishes that season. But I mean, I like SMU. They're, they're my second favorite team. Um, it's the you know the joke is it's the place where Texas quarterbacks go when they don't make this, uh, don't become the starter. Um, so it always has a special place in my heart. You know, Garrett Gilbert went there. Now Shane's there. So you know, it's it's always good, interesting to see how how the um, SMU does.
0: Now, last thing on this game, does SMU break the top ten in rankings?
1: I don't know. I mean, with the, the fact that the Big Ten has hasn't played games and are still in the top twenty five is beyond me. They should just not be in there at all. Like I understand that. Ohio State is going to finish in the top 25, but they shouldn't be in there right now um, until they have played their first game this weekend. Um, it doesn't really make sense in my opinion. So, I mean, I, I don't see them cracking the top 10 this week unless there's a big major shakeup, um, which I mean, there doesn't seem to be that many. I don't think there's any, the only one that could be is Oklahoma state. They haven't played anyone, so they could potentially fall. And then, I mean, there could be a few of these Big Ten teams who are a little rusty coming out of the gate. But other than that, I don't really – I don't see them cracking the top ten. Maybe, like, top 12. They could be ranked there at 12. But I don't think there's going to be that many teams that lose in the top ten where they'll be ranked in the top ten. Okay. And
0: the biggest game of the weekend had to be this Alabama-Georgia game. So, once again, Mac Jones – throwing it in our face literally that he is able to pass the ball 417 yards for four touchdowns how did his performance propel this alabama team to this win over a stout georgia defense uh
1: yeah and i mean it's not i, I wouldn't say is necessarily like um like a necessarily a, uh what i, I want to say is it's kind of weighted down like his his passing stats were a little a little bit uh, with that 90-yard touchdown definitely helps uh, the the busted coverage on that, um, and then he also had a, I think he also had a like a like a 35 40-yard uh, touchdown uh, as well. But I think that it was definitely um, uh, it was a lot closer of a game than what people thought um, with with Georgia being in uh, going in with leading to halftime. But I I knew that like if you watch the the first half at all, you could see towards the end, Alabama was kind of starting to figure out uh, what, what they needed to do to stop them. Um, they, they kind of gave them the short field to work with. Um, two times there in the second quarter, gave up 10 points from it. So, um, obviously, it's, it's never – it's not really – I don't think that this is really a, a testament to Georgia choking. I think it's a testament to Alabama – showing that they're resilient, showing that they can make halftime adjustments that they've been making for the last 10 years. Um, And I think that this is just another Nick Saban victory, in my opinion.
0: Najee Harris, once again, you know, putting the screws to a a good run defense, still being able to find those holes cut to the outside for 152 yards.
1: Yeah, his his draft stock is definitely going up. Um, So that'll be uh, something to watch. Going forward, um, this team keeps winning and he keeps getting 100 plus yards a game. I mean, he's going to be up there with Travis Etienne as uh, those front runners for the uh, the Heisman.
0: I 100% agree with that statement. Um, so don't forget, once again, we had three postponed games due to COVID. I'm anxious to see how these teams will fare next week after having a week off. Um, I was really looking forward to this LSU-Florida game, too. That's just an unfortunate side turn of what's going on currently. But um, what do you say we move on to NFL?
1: Um, yeah, I wanted to touch one more thing on, uh, um, on. well, I mean, it's actually the perfect thing to transition to. So um, in a recent interview, um, I don't know if you've seen about this, but in a recent interview, I, I was reading this on Facebook, um, and but Roddy White got interviewed and was asked about, Trevor Lawrence and how, how he was playing and, you know, what would happen. And he got brought up. If, if it comes down to it and the jets don't win a single game and you're, and you're looking there and you're sitting there and you're being Trevor Lawrence and you're looking there and you're like, do I come out of the draft this year or do I come back for my senior year and play one more year at Clemson? Are you taking the money? or Are you, you going back? And because I mean, the jets are have always been historically the place where quarterbacks go to die.
0: And I did, I did see that interview, and I will agree he should probably come back and at least contend for another national championship if that's the case. And because that being said, look at how Sam Darnold was treated. He, start, he had the starting job, got the starting job, and then got benched. After really his play wasn't great, yes, but it wasn't his fault that they were losing games because their defense couldn't stop anything so if i was trevor lawrence and the jets had the first pick i'd be going back to clemson to win another national championship
1: that yeah my opinion. and i mean you know it's, it's crazy to think this but i mean thinking back in like in recent memory all the good quarterbacks um you know used to be a staple for a quarterback to go four years um, but if you think about it, I mean, Trevor Lawrence has this chance to do something that hasn't been done in a long time. And he, if he get, does happen to go back and he manages to stay healthy, um, he could be one of the greatest quarterbacks in college football history. Like, like not even joking. Like he could definitely at least be in like the top like 50 like quarterbacks of all time. Because I mean, th- with the recent, like, you know, if you have one good season, you're out. A lot of times people aren't four year starters like Trevor was um it's just I mean it's kind of crazy how how it worked out but I mean he has some a chance to do something that not a lot of people can do and I mean if you weigh your options and you know obviously there's a chance that a a really bad team could have the pick next year but I mean it's something that I would almost risk just to see because maybe a team has a really bad season maybe say a, a team that like like a recent past, like that Colts team where the quarterback got hurt. They just had really terrible quarterbacks. And, you know, well, Peyton Manning in this case, um, you know, he was hurt, so they were terrible with a Curtis Painter and No,
0: the paint man.
1: Yeah. And and you know, like and then and Andrew Luck got drafted to that team, and so he instantly competed. I mean, maybe Maybe he'll be lucky, uh, have something like that happen, but we'll or he'll be super
0: unlucky, and the Jets end up getting the first pick next year, and we have to have this conversation again.
1: Well, I mean, he can't then,
0: like he's he, right. He, he can't that. go back, but then we have to have the conversation of, well, was his decision the correct decision at this point in time? So. Yeah,
1: because I believe I don't remember who it was but one of the ESPN guys had said, "Is he going to be? Is he going to pull a uh, Eli Manning and say he will not play in New York?" Don't draft me. I'm not going to play. Like, Yeah. Yeah. This is just going to be – Something that we talk about. uh, We'll have to talk about this again when it gets closer to, you know, that time about declaring and everything. Because right now
0: he's looking really – he looks very good where he's at.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, he looks like he's going to be primed. I don't think – I think he's one of those – I hit me at worst, he's going to be a mid-tier quarterback at worst um, going into the league. Um, I mean, it's going to take him a little bit, but we saw, we saw what happened with like, so far with like Joe Burrow and his career early, he's, you know, him being relied on to be the guy is definitely not something that you want to be for your young career. Um, and that just brings up what we talked about a few episodes ago where we talked about the, you know, if you can groom your quarterback for a little bit, uh, you're, you're going to be in good shape. You know, you got the Josh Allen, you got Patrick Holmes who sat behind Alex Smith. You have all of these guys who got to sit behind a really good quarterback or at least a decent quarterback. And now the most recent one being, I'm curious to see how this Tua situation goes, um, which will transition to our, our, next, uh, our next segment of, of uh, the NFL. Um, so why don't we just start there? Um, I know it's kind of out of order, but this is just something that I really wanted to get to talk to because I'm, I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts. But right off the bat, Tua, name the starter – um after going in and completing both of his passes, his first two NFL passes. Uh what's your thoughts on this? Because it's it's not really I don't know, it's a head scratcher to most people, but I mean it's just something that we knew it was ultimately gonna come, but I don't think we thought it was gonna come in week six.
0: Right. And you and I talked about this before we went on the air. Um when Fitzpatrick originally Came out in the press conference for the beginning of the season. He said, "Hey, look, I'm a placeholder. When Tua gets, when Tua feels he is ready to come onto the field, I will embrace that and I will go ahead and step back." It, it's this is very interesting at the time because the Dolphins are three and three. They have been playing good football, and Fitzpatrick's numbers aren't bad. Yes, I guess the teams that he's played against, but he's competing. But what I saw from Tua when he was in for that drive, he looked super comfortable. And after coming back from that almost career ending surgery, you know, it's kind of like, is Miami jumping the gun a little bit too quickly? I mean, I guess t- only time will tell. But I do believe that Tua m- can come in and make a difference for this team. And I do think having Fitzpatrick there helping him along the way will do wonders for him down the road
1: yeah and so this is kind of what i'm thinking of so you know they're coming off the 24 nothing victory um i mean obviously fitzpatrick uh kind of upset about the benching you know with them sitting there in one game out of first place um but i think with the schedule coming up a rams team that's been struggling the cardinals who are hit and miss every week in and week out uh a chargers team with a with a, a rookie quarterback in their own um than the Broncos and Jets and Bengals, I think if you if it wasn't this week, it'd be next week because I think with this upcoming schedule, you have a basically five six games where you can test him out. And if he's if he's looking like he's struggling or not ready for the for the spotlight, then you can put Fitzpatrick back in and prepare for those last four weeks where they have Chiefs, Patriots, Raiders, and uh, Bills. Um, because I think he'll have a short leash because they are still within striking distance of the playoffs. Um, so I think you know, give him two weeks, maybe to just see. Even maybe one week, if he goes in the first half and just is a stinker, and they're still in the game because of that defense, I think. I think there's no reason why. Um, if this you know, doesn't get called yeah, back, yeah, no, I, I think it, I think he should definitely be ready to play um, for sure. And I bet they'll probably still split reps at practice this week um, because um, I think that he's got to be ready. And that's just what he's been doing his whole career is just being ready. So,
0: Yeah, this is going to be a very interesting rest of the season for this team. I do think that maybe the, they should have played the season close to the vest with, Fitz, with Fitzpatrick and kind of let him play this whole season and then kind of groom Tua and kind of – Yes, I agree that maybe in garbage time, let him play, but kind of not throw him into the fire just yet because I don't know if he's 100% ready. I mean, just think, two years ago, we never thought he was going to play again. So I think this is a really defining moment for this career, and if it's a really bad call by the Dolphins, I think this will damage Tua's career for the rest, like extremely bad.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like you're just gonna we're just gonna have to wait and see how it works out. Um, so let's just let just start over. We'll start. Um, we'll, or we'll, we'll just keep moving on to the next game. Um, the stink in the Stinker Bowl. Um, this past weekend we had uh, Giants getting their first win over Washington, which now leaves the Jets and sole possession of the Ofer award. Um, Washington, I mean. In a division this close, what are your thoughts on that? Ron Revere decision to go for two at the end, uh, end of regulation.
0: I mean, desperation, if that's really what we want to call it. This Neither one of these teams looked really good. I think um, this Giants defense just looked better than the Washington offense. However, this decision to go for two really, you know – it changed the momentum of the game at that point. It was kind of like, oh, we're so desperate. Let's go for two, try to get the win instead of going for the tie. And it was just.
1: I mean, they were beating them in yards. They, I mean, their, their offense obviously was like putting up major points. But, I mean, they were they were beating them in, uh, in, terms of, in terms of that. But I'm just. It just doesn't really make sense to me in a division where if they would have won that game or ta- even taken it to overtime and got a tie, they would be tied for second place. Um, it's just, it just doesn't make sense to me at all, but I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, Ron and is trying to make some plays happen, you know, especially with his really young team. So, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you got to look at the bigger picture, you know, obviously if he gets it, we're not really talking about it. We're talking about the gutsy call that it was and right, know. right, right. But I also uh,
0: want to say, where did Devontae Freeman go?
1: You know, I was, I was <laughs> I was always giving him credit, and I think he was one of those sleeper picks that I've always been picking week in and week out. But, yeah, he's <sighs> – there should have
0: been a defense he tore up. I mean and... – Yeah,
1: I mean, he only managed 61 yards, and, you know, it's one of those underwhelming performances. You know, I mean, it's it's tough to run behind that offensive line uh, who's – I mean, even with – if you add up all the rushing, the r- rushing guys, I mean, they only have – 527 yards on the season so it's one of those things where it's like it's it's that doesn't all fall into Devonta freeman but he definitely needs to figure it out before this uh season gets to be you know too late down the line i mean he's playing for another contract
0: right and he's got a short week this week
1: um yeah with, the, with them coming yeah we'll talk about that after we finish up this weekend Um, but we do have another matchup or, well, not a matchup, but we do have another team from the NFC least, um, that that played this week that honestly kind of surprised some people. I know that they, they put up some points in, you know, towards the end when the Ravens stepped off the gas. Um, so, uh, what do you think about this Eagles performance, you know, showing that it wasn't, you know, they're, they're trying to gut out a performance.
0: I mean, early on Carson Wentz did not look good. Um, through the first three quarters he was kind of lackluster this Ravens defense kind of had their way with him but that I don't know what it is this year about fourth quarters but apparently quarterbacks turn it on I mean we've seen it multiple games where quarterbacks just go holy crap I actually have to play now and they start playing to their normal level and we saw that this week with Carson Wentz um, now that whole gutsy we're, we're talking about gutsy calls this week That two-point conversion play that they had was a terrible. I know they had to go for it, but why did they call that play? A QB keeper right there, that was not the right call. I think you should have at least tried another pass up the middle because that Ravens defense had that little gap right there. But overall, this is an upside. Now, the downside to this is no Miles Sanders for Thursday and no Zach Ertz as well
1: yeah and I think I, I mean obviously this loss doesn't completely fall back onto it, but if you think about it, um them w- with the decision in the third quarter to go for two, um in a weird situation where it was it was seventeen I mean it, at the time it was seventeen, nothing. so even if you get that eight, you're still I mean you're down nine. so it's just a weird situation to go for two. if you kick it there. Then you only have to kick it at the end of the game. It's just one of those decisions where it's like it doesn't make sense. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, you know that's why we're we're sitting here. We're not in the NFL, so uh, <laughs> we
0: just analyzing things.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like it does, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, in my opinion, though, with, with the score the way it was. Um, but another another decent day uh lamar jackson is definitely not putting up mvp numbers this year he's the offense and baltimore is slowing down i mean even though they put up 30 points um a lot that of that more
0: defense contention as well
1: I, I mean yeah if you look at it they had to, uh the ball they had to drive the ball 47 yards 28 yards 35 yards 38 yards two yards um uh, i mean the one drive of 50 plus was uh, to end the first quarter. And that was all Lamar Jackson on the 37 yard run. And basically he took it like that was half the drive for him. So it wasn't, I mean, they didn't have to drive the ball. Um, This team, uh, this team is, I mean, they're, they're definitely good, but I, I, I like the Steelers um, a little bit more. I know that the people are going to say the Steelers haven't really played much, but I mean, they just whooped the Browns and people were saying the Browns were back, which that kind of, uh, leads us into that game. Well, Baker, Baker is Baker the guy in uh, in Cleveland.
0: I don't believe so. Um,
1: when
0: I say this, I, w- I like Baker in Oklahoma. He is not transitioning well to the NFL. He is way too streaky and too inconsistent to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I say this as Ben Roethlisberger throws. You know, fourteen for twenty-two and hundred and sixty-two yards. But he didn't have to do much due to that defense destroying this Browns offensive line and just this offense. Um and I think if anybody was smart, this all this whole offense would leave Cleveland. That includes Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, Nick Chubb, Karimont. All of them should probably get out of Cleveland soon because this team is not making the playoffs.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like they should take advantage of starting to build up. Um, I think, man, it's it's uh, I just I can't I can't even begin to talk about it. But you know, I'm I'm a Texas fan, so you know, even at Oklahoma. Uh, he couldn't win the big game. Um, Oklahoma's never really been able to win the big game. Um, and, but I mean, I just like to look at this for just a second because I think that this is kind of one of those uh, things that needs to be said. But if you look at the top 10 quarterbacks in Big 12 history, all right, I'm talking to all of you NFL GMs out there who are looking at it going into this next season like, oh, you know what? You know, it looks like there's. There's some potentially a quarterback I could take here. Well, let me just elaborate on you. So the top 10 quarterbacks of the BCS era are Vince Young at number one. Wait, what, what did he do? What did he do in the NFL? You know, obviously injuries kind of plagued his career. He did go out. I think he won rookie of the year uh, with Tennessee. But after that, I mean, injuries plagued him. Done. RG3. I mean, he's still with the Ravens. You know, he's a very electric player. Don't get me wrong, but injuries, Dunsky. Sam Bradford, injuries. Got paid a lot of money. Congratulations.
0: NFL.
1: Colt McCoy, career backup. Um, kind of got given his chance with the Browns, unfortunately. N- nothing. Josh Hoople from Oklahoma. I mean,. <laughs> You haven't heard that name in a hot minute. I know that he played in – I know they play played in college in 2000, so he'd be like in his 20th season right now, but uh, still nothing. Brad Smith from M-I-Z-Z-O-U. Um, Brandon that's Whedon, you know, the guy who got drafted. Uh, a Dallas,
0: that's a Dallas name.
1: Yeah, that is the old uh, – well, let's see. He was drafted the same year Manziel was, right? Yep. Uh, Eric Manzo. Eric Couch. Bro. The, there's, there's a theme here, you know, of people who, you know, got drafted by really, 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 really. They could
0: really. all be on the back of a Browns jersey at this point in time. Well,
1: that wasn't mm-hmm. Eric. That was Tim, wasn't it? I
0: know. But I'm just saying, if we're listing off these, it could be like that uh, one of those Browns jerseys that, ha- that has a list of all the quarterbacks that they used for over the like five years.
1: Yeah. Which
0: actually, included decently a decent amount of these quarterbacks for mentioning currently
1: yeah i mean he was accused he he played for uh i mean he was i think he was drafted by the rams um and i think that he never really amounted to anything uh eric couch anyway but then and then you have jason white who uh was a really good quarterback oklahoma for a long time and then graham harrell the uh the man who groomed uh patrick mahomes I mean, if you look at those top 10 quarterbacks and you just amount their careers to what they've done in the NFL, I think if I'm a GM, and even last year, I, just, I I was saying this when he got drafted. I mean, if you're sitting there and you're looking at, at a, a big 12 quarterback, they just have historically not had a defense they've had to face. And that, that counts for like nine of their games, 10 of their games. It's just like – it's just something that you just got to kind of take a second glance at and you're like, hmm – Better not. Even if you continue on, on the list, you got fucking Chase Daniel, career backup. Let's see if there's any other names. He to stick was out. Good at Land- Landry Landry Jones is out of the league, and he was about to be in the XFL. Cliff, hey, hey Cliff Kingsbury, the coach for the uh, the coach for the uh, Cardinals.
0: I mean, I get what you're saying, and
1: yeah, and I just wanted to bring all that up because this is something that I've always thought about. Uh, you know about how they even or why he was even drafted when he was drafted Uh, i mean i think it even like obviously it was the browns it's tough you know he was probably the best option at quarterback that year which is he's starting to look like he wasn't necessarily the best option this year because there's a few other people in that draft who are pulling ahead of him but it It's still – it's I, I don't think he's the guy. I think they need to take advantage of all the value they'll get for Odell and Jarvis and, you know, kind of start building from the ground up.
0: Yeah, and this team, if you look at this Browns team, they are 4-2, yes, but they have beat the Bengals, Washington, Dallas, and the only credible win to their defense is against the Colts. So – Four and two looks a lot like zero six.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that Colts team is is. Uh, will we let's just transition to that game. They, I mean, I think I think it comes down to what Phil Rivers does. It, it will be how far this team can go because this team has the potential to make a playoff run in that division. Um, but in my opinion, it, it's they live and die by Philip Rivers because if he tries to do what he's done in the the last uh, the last few weeks, um, or if he does it against the Browns, um, I think that he needs to know when like when to force it, when not to force it. I think that it, they they live and die by him. Um, and I think it's one of the like sneaky signings of the season that not a lot of people gave like gave credit to the Colts, but. You know, because their their defense is definitely good enough to win now, um, even though they're still a relatively young unit. So it'll be interesting to see how they do that. You know, over the next over the next few uh, few weeks.
0: I do think they need to get help from their run game, and because Jonathan Taylor's not fully cutting it currently, and with Hines being out, I just
1: I don't know. They need, well, a,
0: they need a more balanced attack.
1: I think Jonathan Taylor, you know, obviously is – he's still in his first year, and he's waiting for that breakout game. But, I mean, if you look at, like, even with Clyde uh, Edwards-Alaire, he finally had his breakout game this week against the Bills. Um, I think that, you know, coming uh, – I think Hines is really, like, obviously him being out hurts, but I think he's more of a passing down back um, as he's in the top five in, in his team in and pass- in rece- receiving yards – um, but I think that ultimately comes down to is just uh, he th- that defense is going to keep you in games. You just have to be smart with the ball. If they, you know, turnovers is a huge thing. Um, like Phillip Rivers is sitting there with a seven touchdown, six interception stat line. That's not going to make you the playoffs. You're going to have to, that needs to be uh, in the next few weeks. That needs to be turned into like, it needs to be four- 14, 15, and like seven. Um if they want to have a chance to make the playoffs, he's just got to be better with the ball. Um, they need to score. Uh, they need to be scored more uh, early than um, they have been. Um, a, a lot of their games, they haven't necessarily scored a whole lot in the first quarter. So it'll be interesting to see them, you know, come out to a fast start this weekend. I mean, if there was a weekend to write to ship, it'd be this weekend, especially with the Ravens coming to town in two weeks. So they're gonna have to take care of business against the the Lions.
0: Yeah, I, we'll just see how this all plays out. I mean, i I don't see them making the playoffs this year, especially behind a Tennessee team that's playing absolutely great right now. I mean, we'll transition into this game, I guess. Well, what do you think about Derrick Henry this weekend?
1: Uh, I mean, Derrick Henry once again proving everyone wrong um, when, in terms of you know. F- fantasy running backs, um, just Alabama running backs in general. Um, I mean, it's it's one of those games where it's 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 not surprising because we've seen him do it week in and week out. But I think just the production uh, kind of caught up this week um, with the hype, I th- I'd say, because there's a lot of hype, you know, with him stiff arming um, Josh Norman last week on a play that didn't even count. I'd like to mention for all the viewers out there, um, didn't even count cause there's a holding penalty. Um, but I think that he finally kind of lived up to the hype. Um, and I mean, that game was a lot closer than it probably should have been. Um, b- briefly we can touch on this, but they really need to figure out uh, the offensive coordinator situation in, in Houston if they want to win games. Um, and they need to make a decision fast because what they're doing right now is ultimately going to um, cost them in the long run. And it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, you got the lead with a minute 50 to go like offensively. You should probably, I don't know. Maybe, maybe less time on the clock when they scored or something of that nature. There just has to be something different, different clock management. Um, and that defense also, I mean, they got torched on that last drive. Um, so it, it, it's one of those things where they need to figure it out now um, because either this is a lost season or they're going to try to win some games. So it's just it's up to them what they want to do at this point.
0: And I don't <clears> – <throat> I don't see this being a salvageable season for Houston at this point um, after going one and five. But, yes, there were a lot of questionable play calls at the end of this game. Um, And I think I agree with you, maybe less time on the clock to give uh, Tennessee the ball back. However, they didn't really need much time when Derrick Henry had the ball running down the field. They just couldn't stop him. So, are we ex- are we essentially saying there should have been no time on the clock to give that ball back to Tennessee to let them drive, uh, or should they have been able to play better coverage? Well, this run? so
1: I think that also, also some of it comes back to I don't think I think obviously Romeo Carmel had had an idea you know with that late two point conversion. Um, and I think that he wanted to put the game away and he didn't want to give them even the opportunity to drive down and score and get the two point conversion. But in that, in that case, you have to trust your defense to at least stop them on a two point conversion. You got to give your team a chance. I mean, you got to kick that, you got to kick that extra point. In my opinion, I mean, yes, that, that offense was good, but you've basically shut them out the second half. I mean, they have one touchdown in the fourth quarter. Your defense was kind of holding. You guys made the comeback. I think you just got to trust your defense, kick the extra point, go up by eight and, you know, give yourself a chance. Cause I mean, I'll ultimately, I obviously looking back on it, you know, it could have been a whole different ball game. I mean, I mean, I, it's just, it just blows my mind at these, like these, these coaches choosing to go for two ultimately. And so I know that the kick's not a gimme anymore. You know, we've seen plenty of missed extra points, uh, you don't want it to fall on that but I still think that in that decision you just it just has to be it has to be done
0: and I think this week this week as a whole we saw a lot more gutsy play calls that did not work out however, on the flip side if all these plays would have worked out we would have probably called some of these coaches geniuses for what they called so does that determine how the how these play calls get determined later on this season, knowing that they're not working out as well as they should?
1: I don't think it really affects the game plan. I think most people have a pretty set game plan going into games. Um, I just just don't think that... I think everybody kind of has their own uh, way to look at things. But... Obviously, you know, Romeo Crimmel is he's, he's an interim coach right now. Um, so, you know, he's trying to make a big play. Maybe, I mean, he might be vying for a job, you know, some, at somewhere else if he shows that he can freaking do, uh, do it. So I think it's just one of those gutsy calls that if it works out, he's praised for it for the week and it didn't work out for him. And ultimately, I, I mean, who knows? They, he could have kicked the extra point. Tennessee could have drove down. Went for two, got it, tied it up, and they still won an overtime. And it wouldn't have mattered, like if he didn't make the decision. So it's one of those things where it's like, if he works out, great. If it doesn't, great.
0: That's yeah, I get what you're saying on that one, but nonetheless, the Titans are five and zero. This yeah. is a good start for them.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see them play play another really good team this week. Coming off of this kind of a uh, reality check for this uh, for this defense um and i think i think it'll be interesting to see if uh if old big ben can take care of business this weekend in that makeup game um but staying staying with that uh similar theme kind of a surprising performance and a a letdown would be this falcons vikings game Uh, a lot of people said that the vikings were gonna run away with this one um no like nobody picked the falcons i mean that obviously, this Viking team is bad. This Falcons team is bad, but this Falcons team has just been historically bad this year. I, I mean, good for them winning, but bad for them winning because I honestly think that if this team would have went over or you know wins two, one to two games at most, I was I could definitely see this team being an intriguing candidate to be in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes.
0: Yeah, well, they kind of blew that one so far. Already. I mean, you got at this point, you have the Falcons, the Giants, Washington, the Jets. I mean... and out of,
1: out of all of those teams that I would want to go to, I would not want to go to any of them, in my opinion. Not at this point. I mean, Atlanta would be the most intriguing because they historically at least compete every year. Um, the Giants, they have Daniel Jones. He's not the answer. That's why you don't Trade up to take a Duke quarterback. Um, then you have uh, the Washington football team who still, they, I mean, they have Dwayne Haskins, but I think they've given up on Dwayne Haskins. Um, it's just one of those things where it's like, I think this Falcons team would have been a really good fit for him, um, especially because Matt Ryan's not done yet. I mean, obviously, if they went one and 14, 15, whatever um, this season, however many games they play with COVID and everything, um, I think that. It would have been a decent fit because Matt Ryan still could have played next year and they could have kind of built a team for, for Trevor for the future. But I don't know. We'll see this. This Falcon team is obviously going to compete and and they're not going to try to just throw their season away. Um, So it'll be interesting to see Um, another team that kind of surprised everybody was this Broncos Patriots game Patriots coming off of a really long hiatus. Uh, we knew they were going to be rusty, but we did not know that they were going to be rusty enough to lose to the Broncos, who, I mean, Philip Lindsay credit him for basically putting the team on his back because um, not a whole lot else went good. I mean, if you're going to pick an MVP for the weekend, I mean, I don't think you can pick – I mean, who would have thought that the MVP of the weekend would be a kicker?
0: I agree. I mean, just this game as a whole, the kicking was – Honestly, the staple um, for both teams. And credit to Brandon uh, McManus for, honestly, just carrying his team. I never thought I'd actually use that sentence, by the way.
1: I never thought I would see a kicker being the MVP of the weekend. But, I mean, if you look at it, the, like, if you are going based on value for a team, uh, if you don't have Brandon McManus there and he's not making all those kicks, this is a completely different ball ballgame. Um, I mean, when you score all of your team's points – you, I mean, Drew Locke, a pretty pretty rough day. Got sacked twice, threw two interceptions, had a nineteen uh, or had a uh, nineteen QBR. Uh, it just wasn't good. I mean, Philip Lindsay credit him for a hundred yards rushing um, in the absence of the DUI man. Um, so it'll it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, this Patriots team rebounds. Uh, they got to get it figured out. Um, they got a 49ers team who looked like they kind of figured it out against the Rams team coming up this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see that. Um, what do you think about this Rams team, though? This Rams team is – I mean, I thought when they played Buffalo and they played all the way down to the wire, I thought that this this team was going to be the team to – like they were going to be the one to push the uh, Falcons to the to, – or not the Falcons, the Seahawks to the uh, brink.
0: I'm still salty because I lost my survivor pool due to the Rams losing to the 49ers. Um this game just was sloppy. Uh Jimmy G had a good game after his horrendous game last week. Um but we didn't see much of this Rams offense that has been ranted and raved about that has been a, so, has been considered a high-powered high-octane offense. We didn't see that against this uh 49ers defense which to me, it seems like they're starting to find their treading to get back to where they were a year ago. So if this defense continues to trend upward and get back to where how they played, I think this team could sneakily come back and take this division out of Seattle's contention. I don't think the Rams will contend any further.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where – you look, you look at the bigger picture, um, I, Jared Goff, under 200 yards. Uh, Daryl Henderson really didn't get it going. He had under 100 yards rushing. But the guy who is is supposed to step up, you have the Cooper Cup. You have Robert Woods. Combined, they had 40 yards receiving. Um, you know, your players have to find a way to make big plays. I mean, look. if you look at uh, San Francisco, George Kittle found the end zone. Um, he's their leading receiver right now. He's the, you know, staple in that offense with everybody being hurt and everything. Um, and then you have Debo Samuel who found a way to the end zone. Um, I mean, the, the big, the big time players find a way to make an impact. I mean, Robert Woods, yes, had a touchdown. Um, but the other one was Josh Reynolds kind of towards the end of the game, um, uh, I mean, it was kind of towards garbage time. I mean, they had the lead by enough to where it was safe enough for them to give up a touchdown. Uh, but it still, it just did. It just doesn't make sense. Um, how this Rams team can play the Bills so close and basically, um, like I mean, I I don't know. Whenever I saw that, I really thought that they were gonna be the the top dog in this division. Um, obviously, the Bills have kind of slipped up as of lately. Um, in terms of the last two games, but we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about them here in a minute. But I don't know. I think this 49ers team is starting to get traction in the defenses, and I think it'll be intriguing to watch them, uh, you know, the next few weeks. Yeah,
0: and you know, like I just said, uh, the 49ers could be the dark horse in this uh, conference. I mean, Seattle looks good. The Rams did look good. They're starting to kind of trend downward. Um, I'm anxious to see how they – try to get back on track next weekend but moving on in this division is a team we didn't expect to be to play as well as they are playing and that is this Cardinals team
1: yeah this Cardinals team is one of those teams that has been really 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 like on the hot seat and by a hot seat I mean they've just been fluky and the, yes, they've, they've won. They've won are four and two, but if you look at the the resume of the team that they, that they beat, they beat the 49ers week one where they were. Um, I mean, yes, that's, that's week one. That was, uh, I mean, that was kind of the full power of San Francisco before, you know, everybody kind of, I mean, they didn't have everybody, but before everybody kind of started to go down, they, but then they beat the Washington football team. They lost to the lions they lost to the Panthers. They beat the Jets and they beat the Cowboys. It, like the next, like the next five games, in my opinion, will be the summary of the season, and this will be how they finish the season because they have Seahawks at home, Dolphins at home, Bills at home. Then they go to Seattle and then they go to uh, New England. And I think those five games are going to be huge when it comes to um, how the season is going to go for them. If Kenyon Drake is going to keep. <laughs> I mean is he going to keep uh this was producing like he was? For him. Exactly. And like he hasn't done anything um necessarily of of note to this year. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see this team. Like I said, I have my eye on them, but I I need to see something against a good team because I mean the Panthers is the best team in this like discussion. I mean, except the 49ers are kind of getting back to where they were, but like I said they were still they weren't the team that they were from last year, and they still haven't lived up to that hype. But, yeah, the best team in there was the Panthers, and they lost to them. So, with that being said, uh, I mean, 38-10 is a little weighted too because Andy Dalton is not the answer in Dallas. So, Yeah, and I, I 100% agree
0: with that. Um, I'm very sad as a Cowboys fan to watch the rest of the season now that Dak is not going to be playing.
1: I think I think that uh, with that with that um, I think that the Cowboys honestly that's the best thing that could have happened for Dak is if Andy Dalton continues to struggle even with the same offensive weapons and everything even after he gets a few weeks under his belt because I think that if they start to lose games I think that's the best thing for Dak because I think that means that just how important Dak is to that team and. I think now, that, that that for like contract talks, I think that helps them.
0: Can I offer you an interesting statistic? Absolutely. In the past two decades, if the Cowboy quarterbacks that are not named Tony Romo or Dak Prescott have a combined five losing seasons and a combined four and twenty-four record.
1: Oh, I mean that's that's the thing though. That's uh that's like without Dak and tony romo i mean hell that's like that's like the last like 15 years of your guys's franchise franchise yeah like it's it's been a staple is like the quarterback has always been you know you knew the quarterback was um it was never like it was you were in a brown situation or jacksonville or somebody who has had like six different quarterbacks um but yeah, no, it, it'll be it, it's going to be tough. I mean, they're still in the division lead right now, um, so we'll see if Andy Dolan, you know, give him give him a, another another week or so. We'll see. Or give how him a the, couple weeks before I yeah. start ragging. So another kind of stinker game in terms of um, in terms of production on the field. Uh, this Lions Jaguars game it was an intriguing game. Um, Matthew Stafford kind of, I mean, it wasn't even really him who did the damage. It was that run game that got going. Uh, Finally, uh, DeAndre Swift got his feet underneath him against this Jacksonville team. Um, But uh, there just wasn't a whole lot going for this Jaguars team. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. A lot of people were giving him too much credit uh, after that week one win. Um, almost beating the Titans and then just kind of, I mean, they've been in every game, but it's just They've been
0: there, but they haven't been there. Yeah. If that makes any sense to anybody who's watching, but they've been in the game close enough to compete, but far enough away not to be able to secure another win.
1: And, and now this is one of those dark horse candidates um, to get one of the top two guys in the draft, in my opinion, because I think that I mean, this team is like, this team is obviously. I mean, they're giving up 30 points a game. Um, it's, it's It's not like their defense is really outstanding, but I think this is one of those situations where if you can get Garner Minshew to produce for another, you know, one to two years, if he can be the guy. If you draft a Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence and have him sit behind you, this could be a dark horse candidate, you know, if this season continues to trend down. Obviously, they still have a lot of winnable games. They play the Vikings. They play the Colts again. They play this Chargers team this week. who uh, Justin Herbert is the guy, I do believe, but I think it's going to take him a little bit to get going because um, he's still going to make those rookie mistakes this year. So I think that this they're still going to win. They're probably going to win three or four games. Um, they'll be out of the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes if he goes out this year, but he'll be a dark horse to maybe get a Justin Fields or Trey Lance.
0: Yeah. And I, this defense was so good about a year or two ago and they just haven't played up to their expectations. I mean, they were almost contenders last year, um, but they also had Nick Foles that didn't play well. And then, you know, Minshew mania came into a, uh, existence and, that team contended all the way to the end of the season. Now, you know, it's just kind of lost its touch. And this Lions team is not great. Let's be honest here. This kind of,
1: this win could have been a fluke for all we know, but we'll find out in the weeks to come. Uh, well, I'd like to mention one more thing about this game. I thought it was really intriguing, but did you see the uh did you see the story about the uh the Jaguars kicker? No, I did not. Yeah, so he is actually a career – he played soccer for his entire high school career all the way through grade school and everything, and he got – he went to Kentucky to play soccer, and then he transferred to Louisville and decided that he wanted to walk onto the football team, and he was a kickoff specialist. Never kicked a field goal all the way up through his collegiate career, and his first career field goal was a make for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he was also a part of history because um, for the – for the first the first time since they merged in 1970, they have had a different player make an extra point in five games in a row. So they've had five different kickers hmm. make five uh, field goals or PATs. I did not know that, actually. That's intriguing. Yes, John Brown. Um, John Brown is the guy who walked on uh, at Louisville and was only strictly on kickoffs, and he got a field goal opportunity – Um, he missed the second one, but Hey, he made the first one. So that's that he made history. Um, (laughs) all right, moving on to the next game. Um, I think we're going to finish up the, uh, early slate of games though, real quick. So let's, uh, let's just jump into, um Bears Panthers biggest surprise of the season. In my opinion, bears sitting there five and one, um, it's just, it's kind of amazing what they've been doing, especially with the lack of quarterback play, in my opinion, um, even with Nick Foles, um, I mean he's doing enough to win games. That's something that Mitch Trubisky couldn't do. So obviously, Nick Foles, credit to you. Um, this Bears defense is though looking like uh, looking like old Bears defense. Um, I think they they got everything clicking. Um, that off or that D, that D line is definitely one of the best in the National Football League, and I think it'll be interesting to watch them as they uh, as they have to take on the more credible opponents in in the next, uh, you know, three, four weeks with the uh, Titans, Saints, Rams, Packers. You know, it's going to be interesting to see um, who comes out of this division from uh, a Chicago Green Bay standpoint.
0: Right. And, and yes, this Bears defense is probably one of the best in the league, let's be honest. Um, But this offense still needs to find their identity. You don't really see – I mean, David Montgomery has had games where he has run well, but he isn't a consistently good runner currently, and I think that is going to hurt this credibility going further into the season, and Allen Robinson, they don't have a good number two, so when Allen Robinson gets double and triple teamed like he has been currently, he has not been able to get open. So that leaves this offense to be very vulnerable to a fact that they cannot get a second receiver open to move the ball downfield. I think this defense is carrying this team currently.
1: I mean, it, it's one of those things that it's going to have to catch up with the defense. Um, it's, it's one of those things that uh, has been historically the Bears' mantra, though. I mean, if you look at it back, Back when they were really good in the '80s, um, I mean, Jim McMahon loved the guy, but he was definitely not a Pro Bowl quarterback. Um, He was just uh, he did enough for to let his defense, or you know, to let his team win the games. You look at the teams that went to the Super Bowl. I mean, Kyle Orton and uh, Rex Grossman between those two, whenever they were in charge of the team, I mean, they did enough to limit the damage. Neither of them was really an outstanding quarterback. It's just been historically, you just have to limit the damage because this defense is going to keep you in every game. Um, So it'll be interesting to see them against high-powered offenses, you know, coming up, like I said, the Saints, you know, and then coming up, uh, you have the division uh, matchup in about three, four weeks with the uh, Packers. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, well, this but this team did handle business against the Buccaneers uh, before the Buccaneers really got rolling, and after the Buccaneers got rolling, we saw what they are capable of doing in uh, the Sunday night matchup, which was, whew, I mean, was,
0: this was a rough game to watch.
1: It was. I mean, it was it was a very intriguing matchup going into it. Everybody was really excited to see Rodgers Brady and. Oof! It was it was uh it was not a good one. Um, you know, I just like to like say like historically the Packers have had a really good offensive line. They've been able to protect Aaron Rodgers, which is why he's been you know one of the better one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL for a long time, and because he doesn't get hit. Well, we had, going into this game, they have allowed four. They allowed uh four sacks all season. They doubled that. And more in this game, giving up five sacks. Um, it just, it just was all Tampa um, after the first quarter. I mean, the first quarter it looked like Green Bay was getting their footing, and then you know that that honestly, I'd like to credit that pick six for just kind of swinging the momentum.
0: Yeah, and I mean, this defense really, really dominated this whole game. Um, but I really want to talk about. Ronald Jones this this week. This Packers defense has been notoriously good at stopping the run, but somehow Jones was able to capitalize on key mistakes or key holes that really we haven't seen this year from this defense. What makes this what made this game different from previously? I mean, cuz they were 4-0 coming into this game and they had a very good s- Run defense, and then all of a sudden, we just saw Ronald Jones bust out like had a breakout game against this stellar defense.
1: Yeah, and I think it was well. There's two things that that uh, equate to this. I think that a lot a lot of people were kind of giving them a lot of credit. um But if you look at this like historically, I mean, this this Packers team has just been outscoring their opponents. I mean, they gave up 34 points to the Vikings um 21 to the Lions, 30 to the Saints. I mean, don't get me on the Saints in the as uh, a decent team, but the Vikings, Lions, and then uh ultimately they beat the the Falcons uh the prior week. So they've been giving up points. Um that obviously that's the big big talk over the off season was the fact they drafted uh Jordan Love instead of drafting like a defensive lineman um because they've give up the most yards before contact. Um, But honestly, most I think a lot of it had to do with the kind of the game plan going into the game. Um, There was a lot of focus on Aaron Jones, um, not a lot of focus on Ronald Jones. You know, I think the Packers kind of went in not wanting Brady to beat them. Um, And I think, you know, Ronald Jones had had, you know, a a pretty decent day. Um, Obviously, he got the bulk of the carries and he didn't have any super flashy runs. But, I mean, you know, he was efficient in the red zone like they need him to be, um, you know, with the two-yard and one-yard touchdown run. And then on top of that, Brady did just enough to, you know, really ice this game, and especially in that second quarter. I mean, going up 28, being able to put the ball in the end zone with a minute to go, going up 28 – Twenty-eight to ten going into halftime. I think that was kind of the nail in the coffin, and you know, you knew going into halftime that there was no way that Rodgers was going to lead this team back, even if they would have scored at any points in the second half. I think it was kind of the nail in the coffin.
0: Yeah, I mean, this Bucks team is starting to roll. Uh, what do we see out of them? Do you, I guess I would assume that they take this uh, division by storm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you have the, the Panthers team who's fluky. They hit hit or miss. Um, depends on which teddy bridgewater shows up then you have the saints who also you don't know what's going on with that team with all the you know off the field issues with michael thomas what the, if that team will ever be back to full strength um without any issues and i mean i mean I, do, do i even need to mention the other team in that division nope you <laughs> okay. don't really need to all right. Well, yeah. So basically it's like a two-headed race. It's what Saints team shows up and then this Buccaneers team. But I think the Bucs team is going to use this momentum um, rolling, rolling into the future weeks. And I think that, you know, again playing up against a good Raiders team, we're going to see exactly how this team is going to be um, because this Raiders team obviously beat the Chiefs. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do this week um, against a really good opponent.
0: I agree, and I think this Raiders team is actually one to don't sleep on just yet. I think they have been playing very good football over the past couple of weeks, and I think they will continue to, to trend upward and make their case as to why they should be in the playoffs.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, sitting there at 3-2, and two, um, their two losses being to uh, uh, the Patriots team when they were still playing at a high level before COVID unfortunately struck their team down. And uh, the Buffalo team, who is definitely no joke at 4-2, and two, even though they've, they've lost to two good opponents. And, I mean, both, both teams are – I mean, obviously they're not both undefeated, but in a, in a weird way, they're, I mean, the Chiefs and uh, could be undefeated. They're, they're just – you know, the Raiders happen to come to play. But uh, I think that this Raiders team will find a way to sneak into the playoffs, maybe as, as a wild card, especially with the Patriots trending down. The Dolphins going with Tua. I don't think Tua will be able to win close games like uh, Fitzpatrick will. Um, so it, we're just gonna have to see. We're gonna have to see uh, how this goes. It's just gonna be a fun. It's gonna be a fun game because you just don't know what's gonna happen. Like any team can be a- anyone on any day. Um, there's there's only a few teams who really you know going into the game have literally zero chance. And I think that's what I like about, it. honestly, this season is it's different because, you know, the late start, like the bus bucks team, a lot of people were like, Oh yeah, they're going to win every game. There's no way they're going to lose. Well, this bears team beat them. And this bears team in my opinion is one of the five and one teams. Who's kind of uh, overrated in my opinion a little bit, just because of the strength of schedule they've had and everything. Um, but it's just going to be a fun season to watch. Um, I look forward to We can, we're going to talk about this more on a on Sunday show about these upcoming matchups um, but let's finish it off. Obviously, the game that I don't really want to talk about, we're just going to pretend like it didn't happen. Uh, Chiefs-Bills, um, I, I mean, this, this Bills defense is going to have to patch up these defensive holes um, in terms of the run game. We, we have a really stout pass defense, but when teams can just run the ball at will like they did, um, obviously the conditions didn't help. I mean, everybody I talked to says that, you know, I asked for if in clear conditions. I think this game's different. I think this game's a shootout if it's clear conditions because I think that they, the Chiefs stick to the regular offensive passing the ball, and I think that we can cause, a, a, you know, a few more turnovers. Um, but what do you think about this game? I mean, we're a half an inch, uh, you know, Clyde Allaire's leg was literally like, a half, like he literally had just barely touched the top of the turf when he fumbled that ball uh, towards the end of the game. And if that fumble happened, we're talking about a completely different game here. It might have went to overtime. Bills might have won in regulation. Who knows? I mean, this this game was very interesting to watch. I mean,
0: Clyde Edwards, come, since coming into the league, he his first game was a great start. Um, over the past couple of games, he has struggled against some very solid defenses. But I did not expect him to have a breakout game like this. I mean, this, ga- this game was very up in the air for a while. I mean, watching the game in the beginning, Josh Allen did not look on par. I mean, he played in Wyoming, so he was used to the inclement weather. But for both quarterbacks, this was a very hard game to pass the ball in, so they had to rely on the running game. And it just seemed like Devin Singletary was not the answer for this type of game. When he had to be basically carry the team, was
1: uh, and I think a lot of it had to do with Zach Moss coming off of it, back from an injury this week. Um, he's kind of there in between the trenches, bulldog kind of runner. Um, Singletary in sloppy conditions, that's not really his game style. He's more of a passing pass catcher out of the backfield slash like like I'd like to compare him like an old Le'Veon Bell kind of you know you know hits the holes. Finds the holes. He's not really a, a that guy who runs between the tackles. Um, but I think a lot of it, um, a lot of th- this game, you know, like I said, I think in not sloppy conditions, like just judging off of a few of the first Josh Allen throws, this game is a completely different uh, ball game. If um, it's it's uh, clear conditions, you know, all my friends on Facebook like to say that the Chiefs would have killed them because there's so many weapons. But the thing is, is they don't have weapons because Like, and I'll take this to the grave with me. If you put anybody but Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey on a different team, if you put DeMarcus Robinson and anybody on a different team, they're not going to produce like they are. Patrick Mahomes is making his receivers good, which makes him a good quarterback. Like, I'm no knack on those receivers. I'm just saying, like, half of these guys literally, like, if you think about it, Sammy Watkins, I mean, he obviously didn't play, but he's one of those guys who's, I mean, he's historically been bad, but he, oh, he comes and rejuvenates his career, and because he has a good quarterback, you know, Byron Pringle, who who like like th- th- these guys are not like okay. Don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking on them. They're NFL receivers, so obviously they're good. But it's Patrick Mahomes, single handedly, even though he didn't have the best game, he won this game for him. Um, I I mean, it's one of those things where you know I want to see these two teams face off in the playoffs. For two reasons. One, weather will probably be better. And two, hopefully the Bills defense will be at full strength, uh, minus obviously the few people who opted out of the season. Um, which I think that's the biggest thing that has hurt the Bills this season is they lost two uh linemen to opting out, defensive linemen, uh Starlatoulele, um, which is in my opinion one of their best defensive tackles. And as well as they let shack uh Shaq leave. So it's one of those things where it's like they're going to have to find a defensive presence. Um, the D-line is going to have to step up for the Bills. This Chiefs team, however, I think right now the, the main focus um, for them in terms of it is just making sure that they have a consistent line play because that was what cost them last week. Um, this week they did fairly well. I mean, Patrick Holmes only got sacked one time, um, and they had holes for days against uh, – edwards Lair. so it's going to be important for them to keep that rolling if they can keep that rolling in the next few weeks um i mean they have two pretty easy cakewalk games to really get everything back on track ready to roll before they start playing a couple of other good stout teams so this i mean this chiefs team if i'm looking at the schedule ahead there's no reason they shouldn't be 13 and three and those losses would be it depends on what bucks team shows up and it depends on if the same Raiders team that played them last time shows up.
0: Right. And this division is probably – you got the NFC West, that's a really decent division currently. Uh, The AFC East. um, I don't – this Chiefs team, I think that they will probably end up tying for the division title. And I think that this Raiders team will make a comeback.
1: Interesting. Okay, I I like that. I like that. Uh, We can talk about that more on Sunday with the upcoming games. I do have
0: one thing to say, which we can touch on Sunday, but I just want to let you know. I don't know if you saw yet. No, absolutely. Seattle Seahawks are looking into Antonio Brown after week eight.
1: Yeah, I know that – I know that it'll be interesting, uh, you know, if anybody could take in, uh, take in that, it would be Russell Wilson. Um, I think that he's got the leadership qualities to maybe maybe make them, maybe make him into, you know, a better person on and off the field. So we'll just have to see how that works. Um, it'll be interesting to see exactly what happens. Also, I'd like to state one thing about this. Uh, I'm going to go back to the Bills Chiefs game. Uh, kind of a crazy thing that happened after the game is – Almost, um, I guess it would be almost like two weeks after giving him extension, the bills have cut their offensive lineman Quentin span. Um, kind of interesting because, uh, you know, he they literally had just signed him, uh, to a three year contract, uh, this year. So, one of those You're things where you don't, you don't, yeah, he he was a uh, he was from uh, the Titans. Um, he was. He was a uh, undrafted free agent with the Giants, or not the Giants, the Titans, and um, yeah, and then he came over to the Bills. But yeah, he uh, he signed an extension. He played all go- games for us last year, and then he just he literally didn't give up a sack last year, I think. And then you know it came down to it; he just wasn't performing anymore, so uh, it just wasn't working out. We got rid of him. I don't know; it's one of those things. that's, We'll have to see how that works out for the Bills, but you know, and also in that game they sat two of their defensive linemen starters for lack of production. So it'll be interesting to see if they can bounce back, especially against the Jets this week.
0: All right. Well, that's enough about baseball. I'm, I mean, yeah, I mean football.
1: football. Let's go to
0: baseball. Wow. Well, <laughs> you see, I'm twisting my words already.
1: It's it's early. It's okay. Um,
0: so. What are your first impressions after this game one?
1: Um, So kind of, kind of how I thought this game was going to go in, in terms of the Dodgers were going to come out firing. Um, I mean, it wasn't necessarily the start that I thought that Clayton, Clayton Kershaw was going to have in the, in the world series. Um, only giving up that one run, kind of surprising. I know a lot of people, you know, were anticipating him to choke again, um, but he's historically he's been better in his first start in a series than he is in his future start. So it'll be intriguing to watch his, you know, as he rolls into that, uh, that maybe that week, uh, the week four or the game four or the uh, game five, whichever he is and ends up getting slated for. So it'll be interesting to see how that you know kind of um carries into that um i think the biggest takeaway though is uh tyler glass now kind of i mean having probably his worst start of of the postseason um i think this team bounces back i think it'll be it it sets up an intriguing game too um i like blake snell a lot um I think that he's going to take care of business against Gonsolin, but well, uh, this 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 Dodgers offense is just very potent. So you're going to have to uh, you know prevent prevent runs every time ta- every chance you get. You know you can't you got to leave runners on base. Um, you can't really put people on against this Dodgers team because they just I mean one through nine can really hurt you.
0: Yeah, and they're also very good at taking. Fouling off dirty pitches to get a good pitch for them. Um, and the person I really want to highlight that is Cody Bellinger. And I, as much as I do not like talking about the Dodgers, I really w- would like to people to watch his at-bats. The way he is able to follow off pitches, he doesn't like to wait for a good pitch in his zone to where he can take the ball anywhere he wants it to. That is an excellent trade craft to have as a baseball player is to take a one, two count, file off two pitches, make it a three, two count where they give you a fastball and you're able to put that in play. That is a very essential part of being a very good baseball player. And he does that extremely well. I do want to say a bright point to the Tampa Bay is that Kiermaier is off to a good start in this series I think he is going to be one of their main focal points of this series that needs to stay hot in order to make this an actual series.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, he went, I think he went uh, two for three and then he, he did get the home run for uh, Tampa. And I think that the important thing to mention is that Cody Bellinger, you know, with all of, all the stuff, you know, people were kind of criticizing him and everything um, for not being able to come up in the clutch last season. Um, I think that it kind of just shows, you know, his, his development as well. I mean, he was, he had a, uh, a shoulder injury, I think it was in the NLCS. And I think that, you know, he's kind of bounced back, came back and produced in two really important games. So I think with that being said, I think this is going to be a good series. I, I think this first game, you know, I think it was just, you know, it showed experience wins, um, early in a series. I think it's going to take a little bit for them to get going, but I think Blake Snell will find a way. Um, I think you'll find a way to bounce back. I got the raise tonight, uh, five, two. Okay. And I
0: have the race tonight as well. I think this is going to be a game that swings momentum slightly just for at least two or three games. I'm taking the raise in seven. I do think this is going to go the whole seven games.
1: And I think that this, the, 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 interesting thing, you know, about how we were, we were talking uh, before the show about um, the, the setup of the playoffs. And I think that this, this game here is a chance to knock off any, any bit of momentum that the Dodgers have going in. If the Rays can steal this game, I think really n- neither team will have, I think it'll almost set up a whole new series. Um, Cause it almost is a whole new series um, that those three games that are all played back to back to back. I think that's literally like another whole three game series um, it's like a mini series within the series. Um, so it's just going to be interesting to see if they can stop the Dodgers momentum, um, stop all the offense going. And I think that falls on the left arm of uh, Blake Snell.
0: And I think the most crucial part of this series is going to be the turnaround for starting pitchers. If we can, if Tyler Glass now can start short uh, on short rest and pitch better than he pitched in game one, I think that'll make a huge contribution as to where Kershaw comes back. And we've all seen Kershaw, his second, round, his second start of a series has always been exponentially worse than his first start. So I think if there was a game to lose, and I'm not saying that you should lose any game in a series, if there was a game to lose, this probably could have been the game that Tampa Bay could have lost and still be okay.
1: Yeah, and I'd just like to state teams that LeBron cheers for historically, um, when they go down early, um, circa uh, the last time that he won a a championship, I'd just like to say went down 3-1, Cubs came back and won that series. So they're never going to be out of it. Um, It's always going to be an interesting series, especially with LeBron cheering for the Dodgers now that he's an L.A. guy. (laughs) Blasphemy. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's let's transition. Uh, we haven't really talked about it a whole lot because there hasn't been a whole lot to talk about since the finals got over with. But we do have a few big big headlines that we're just going to briefly touch. Um, lot of uh, a lot of uh, scenery changes for a lot of big names in the NBA. Um, first, I'd like to start off with uh, the process. The process going with um kind of an interesting pick um in my or, uh an interesting decision in um bringing in Doc Rivers what what is what is your opinion on that
0: I think it's it's a wise decision at this point in um their franchise history because Doc Rivers has been known to turn around franchises the issue i'm going to run into is Is he able to get to these players level and help them elevate their game? Um, Because a head coach has to, I don't want to say inspire, that's a cheesy word, but has to reach these players to help them want to play better ball and help them get to an elite type level of play. And if he can't do that to this team, then I think, this franchise is probably doomed for the next five years
1: yeah i think there's there's still they still have enough talent on that team to be in almost win now mode um and so it's going to be intriguing to see if he can flip that team immediately and get them back to where they are uh, definitely capable of going um Another, another team that you know obviously the, the replacement to uh, Doc Rivers um, not, not coming back is, is this Ty- Tyron uh going to the Clippers. Um, it, I, I, I'm really in, in, intrigued by this signing because it's one of those things where it's like, Tyron Lue is a decent enough coach. But he had the personnel, a.k.a. LeBron, that really elevated him to a better – I think a better he, – he seemed like he was a better coach than what I would be. Like Then, 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 then I think people literally give him the credit for.
0: Well, LeBron's a coach in, a, in himself as he plays the ball. So, but you also saw when LeBron was in Cleveland that Ty, Tyron Lue kind of took a backseat approach and he cannot do that with this clippers team. He has to cuz he doesn't have that lebron type person to help coach. And I think this will be a testament to his coaching ability. If he can make this team, you know, a deep end playoff contender as cuz Doc Rivers did. Let's be honest here. That team was good. They just couldn't finish. And that's what got them in trouble in the, fun, in uh, the playoffs. But I think it's going to take a, I don't think that this team goes back to the playoffs this year.
1: I mean, I think w- with, with the, all the, the talent that they still have, um, you're going to have, I they just have to click. And the thing about that is, is, you have three, uh, arguably three of the best perimeter defenders on in the league in this, on the same team, in Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Patrick Beverly, and th- they just got exposed by Jamal Murray and and Luca. I mean, they they have to figure it out. Um, I think that Tyron Lue is going to have to just break, like not necessarily break this team down, but I think they're going to need to get rid of a few of the aging pieces. You know, I don't think I don't think Lou Williams comes back. Um, or I think he he's gonna find a job elsewhere. Um, Montrezl Harrell, um, the the uh, the he was honestly competing for a sixth man of the year, um, and then kind of just fell off this year. Um, I mean, he fell off when it mattered in the postseason. So it'll be. I don't think he'll be coming back, especially with him being an unrestricted free agent. So it's just gonna be one of those things. Um, they're gonna have to compete. With a lot of teams now, um, I mean, everybody's getting better. Uh, The Warriors are going to get healthy. I think everybody's kind of in win now mode, especially like these teams who have kind of older cores and, you know, they got those big contracts that are going to come up because, and they're going to want to see production.
0: And we talked about uh, where Giannis is going to end up. And I think that's going to play a part into which teams will reach that next level of contendership. But I do want to talk about the SVP signing that we saw earlier today. Um he is now going to be the head coach of the Pelicans in Zion. How do you do you think that's a good fit?
1: So obviously um he has been kind of uh I guess I don't know. It's really hard to say because he his last stench as a coach was um, he he it was twenty eighteen. So he's been out of it for a little bit, um, and he only led the the Pistons to one playoff team. Obviously, that was a pretty rough uh, Pistons team. Um, I just don't see the the only thing that I see is it, it's very similar, kind of, is that. When he did his initial stint or his, his initial stint that really got him to be a name in the business, I think, was when he was with the Magic and they they did draft Dwight Howard. And I think that Dwight Howard has a lot of similar qualities um, to Zion about being a dominant uh, in the post and everything. And I think that he kind of knew how to build a team around him. And I think that with that prior knowledge where he built a team around Dwight you know, and made the playoffs and almost won, ultimately lost in the finals. But I think that if you give give him time to build a team around Zion, I think that he's a smart enough uh, man that he will definitely find a way to make that team into a winner.
0: And I do think it's a good fit for him because that Magic team was a super young team as well when he did his first stint as a head coach for the Magic. Um, Later on, that Detroit team really wasn't – that great i mean they had an aging chauncey billups at the time before he went before he left um they had lost all their core players and taishan prince and that group it was just a brutal it was a rebuilding phase for uh detroit at the time so i'm very excited to see what he brings to the table for zion to grow as a player and hopefully be more dominant this upcoming season
1: it it's going to be it's going to be interesting uh just to see how how that uh ultimately pans out there. And I wanted to talk I wanted to say I wanted to talk one thing. Um what it, what do you think is going to happen with this Warriors team? Because the Warriors are still a good team. They're still a solid roster. I mean, they literally have I mean the thing is is that their core is aging so you know a lot of people are are trying to tell them that they should trade the number two overall pick get another star or get another quality bench player that could help them win now because their core is aging but I think at at, at the end of the day you got to kind of look down the road here and you go Steph and Clay and Draymond are all in their 30s like it's it's you can look at it two ways win now mode with the guys you have or kind of start planning to the future like do you think your core is good enough to win now then you should draft somebody who can you know kind of learn underneath um like Steph and Clay and um ultimately hopefully take take over your team eventually i don't think this t- i do
0: not think this team is in win now mode um i mean just looking at the roster this is a very Solid young team. I mean, D'Angelo Russell, Andrew Wiggins, Alec Burks, um, Jordan Poole are all young players that I think will trend upward in the near future. Now, that being said, here's a crazy idea. What if you traded maybe Clay Thompson off for better picks in an upcoming draft or for younger talent to start rebuilding? I mean, you got to see where you get your value from. If you're not in a win mode now, you're in a rebuilding phase. And I think that's where this Warriors team is heading is to rebuilding.
1: Yeah, and I think that they, like this past year was – I think the past year was kind of a like a bridge year. It, you you kind of saw where the future of, of the Warriors w- w- was going to be. Um, with them basically all, playing all of their draft picks and everything like that, um, because of that. So, I mean, if you look at it, look ahead to the draft, I mean, if they keep the pick, um, I think, I think there's a good chance that they could take possibly, uh, you know, an Anthony Edwards, a shooting guard that could take the place of one of the two. Cause I know that they he's, I'm sure one of them is going to want to get paid here in the next few years. Um, You know, get that maybe that that last contract before they ultimately, you know, call it quits. Um, It's one of those things where there's a lot of uh, like the top five in this draft is all like there's not necessarily a a big like consensus number one if that makes sense. Like you have Lamelo, you know, it's a a number one
0: by committee.
1: You know, James Wiseman. Ultimately, if he wouldn't have had to sit out. Probably could have been the number one overall pick. Uh, A lot of people had him projected as number one, but you know, with him having to sit out this past year, um, it it was uh, because of the whole contract dispute with Penny and everything with Penny Hardaway. Um, So it'll be interesting to see. I I just don't know with there not being a consensus top five, you know, where everybody should fall. Maybe they'd have a better chance. I, I mean I don't know I, I don't know if you have a different opinion than I do but sitting there with the number two overall pick I just think I think if you want to win now you trade it you give it to a team. I mean maybe you deal for uh, you know you really need to deal for like an, maybe a dominant center or another small forward that can come in and give you minutes um, so I don't know I, I mean I'm just looking at the teams that they could possibly make a deal with.
0: And I mean, right now there's not many teams that they could deal with. Everyone's. I, it seems like half the league is in rebuilding phase. Yeah, 100 honest.
1: A lot of people are. A lot of people are, you know, speculating, and this isn't going to happen. And you know, maybe they'll prove me wrong. But a lot of them are saying they're going to package the number two overall pick, and Draymond, and they're going to go get Giannis.
0: I don't see Giannis going to Golden State.
1: Yeah. And also with that being said, there's also talks that there's gonna be a package deal of uh a four players in a pick being sent to OKC for um Chris Paul in order to try to keep um in order to try to keep Giannis there um as a lifer for Milwaukee. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I don't know. It's still early in the in it, and we'll we'll be able to talk about this for a while to come. And we got a
0: lot of time left. We got
1: a lot, a lot, yeah, just for speculation. But uh, with that being said, do you want to go ahead and uh,
0: question of the day?
1: Wrap we'll it up with the, the, the old time. question. Yeah, so uh, we're gonna go ahead and use um, this question. It was a very intriguing question. Um, kind of left us a lot of room to. Um, elaborate on um if that if uh, i guess that'd be the way i would put it but um so with with the way the current season has gone who do you think that the biggest bust or like not necessarily bust but just acquisition was like um like who do you who do you think you know kind of it was maybe the loser in a trade or signed a big name free agent that ultimately did not pan out. Um, what do you, what do you think uh, kind of going based off of that?
0: I have two avenues. I want to explore this with the first one is pretty obvious would be the David Johnson and DeAndre Hopkins trade where Houston got the very, very bad end of a David Johnson that was off injury that hasn't really lived up to the hype. Um, and through the, this current season has not even scratched the surface of what he did back in Arizona when he had that very breakout season. I think that is probably the number one dud of an acquisition of the season. The second avenue I'd like to expand, we haven't really seen yet is this Le'Veon Bell to Kansas city. Because I don't know if Le'Veon Bell would be a good fit in this offense. This offense has started clicking a lot better over the past couple weeks, and to throw Le'Veon Bell in there is not only going to deter Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from reaching his potential, but Le'Veon Bell is also getting older to where he isn't putting up the numbers that we expect him to be putting up season after season. So those are my two explanations for our question of the day.
1: Okay, um, so I'll, I'll carry off what you said. I think that, um, that that David Johnson one is definitely a good one. I think that you're wrong about Kansas City and Le'Veon Bell. And I think the reason why is that Le'Veon Bell went to the Jets to get paid and was on a terrible team and was basically told to just carry their offense. And I think that that is, is not the way that Le'Veon Bell plays. Cause if you have big, like, like when he was successful in, with the Steelers, he had a quarterback in big Ben. He had a number one and arguably number two receiver in Antonio Brown and Juju. And I think that with the, with that being said, when he is the focal point of an offense, he's not going to be good. So now you're going to an offense that has Tyree kill Travis, Kelsey, you have Clyde who can be your first and second down back, and you can put him in in passing situations. Um, I mean I think he's going to kind of do I, I don't think he's going to be a cert, a necessarily be an every down back and I think that's what's ultimately going to um prolong I feel like prolong his career and make him kind of relevant because I think that if he doesn't get you know a bunch of touches on a really bad team he's going to be on a good team I think that he completely flips the switch so I'm I'm definitely not going to say that say that he's necessarily Um, a bad acquisition. I mean, the rich get richer is what everybody's saying, but I'd like to say an acquisition that I think, I mean, it was, it was good in theory, but I think that ultimately he's obviously he's been hurt with the, the loss of um, Christian McCaffrey, but I do not think, and I might be the only one that thinks this, but I don't think that Teddy Bridgewater is the answer. And, for, for Carolina. I like him. I think he can win some games, Uh, but sitting there at three and three uh, losing to a bears team. That's offense is not necessarily the best. I understand it's a good defense. I mean, they've been putting up, at least they've been putting up, you know, 15 plus points a game, but I just don't think that, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, I, I mean, he did really well on the saints team that was really good with Drew Brees, and then when Drew Brees goes down and he takes over, I mean, obviously he earned this spot, but I don't think that he is going to lead them to the playoffs, and I don't think he's the answer in Carolina.
0: Yes, I do agree with that. I do believe that uh, Mr. Bridgewater is not the quarterback option for Carolina. Um, We have seen it actually – it has become very apparent ever since they lost their number one uh, running back. However, I do think with the arrival of Mike Davis, who has been playing extremely well while Mr. McCaffrey has been out, and you have very good receivers in DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, he has to be he has to play better. He's got to complete better pa- more passes. He's got to put up more yards. His efficiency is so bad currently that it's hurting what could be a good team and that's why I agree
1: yeah and I think that obviously it it hurts them the fact I mean they've had four offensive linemen that have been added to the COVID list this thus this year um so that doesn't help them necessarily obviously they're not necessarily uh you know starters um but Um, And Mike Davis being, you know, kind of gimped up with the ankle injury, you know, Curtis Samuel with uh, bothered by the knee injury. I think that like injuries has definitely plagued this team and maybe Teddy Bridgewater will prove me wrong the rest of the season. But right now it's looking like, I don't know. I mean, he's beat three teams, but the Cardinals are, like I said, the iffy team that like, you know, is not as good as what their, the record shows Uh, Falcons, they barely beat them and they've been choking every game basically this year. Um, and then the Chargers, um, they beat with a rookie quarterback. So it's going to be one of those things where it's—I mean, I hope he proves me wrong. The last time I said that somebody was a bum, you know, they went off for 400 yards the next week. So we'll just see. Um, we'll just see if how they do up against the uh, Saints this weekend.
0: Yeah, well, that's just going to have to be—you know—the dependent factor on how these teams play is when we see them against good teams. I mean, you could be. You can beat a Falcons team that is one and five, but can you beat, you know, a team that has actually been playing well and carrying themselves? So we'll see. We'll be seeing that soon.
1: Yep, and I think with that being said, um, we're gonna wrap it up. If you guys have anything else that you would like to see, um, you know, uh, covered here on, you know, uh, covered on the show, um. Please go ahead and drop it down in the comments, whether it be, you know, international sports like soccer and other other like rugby um, or whatever you want to see. We're going to try our best to uh, deliver all the sports that you guys want to see. So uh, just comment below what you want to see. And with that being said, I think we're just gonna wrap it up here. Unless you got anything else. No, I mean, we'll see. We'll see everybody on Friday then. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see you on Friday for the college uh, preview as well as talking about the baseball games uh, that will ultimately going on. But with that being said, um, we will catch you guys Friday, and I hope you guys have a wonderful Wednesday. Peace.
0: Everybody take it easy.